0: good morning welcome to Fairview Baptist Church Um, we are enjoying a Sunday this morning with uh, a little bit of liquid sunshine it would appear Uh, so thank you all for being here Uh, we'll look forward to seeing uh, more as they come in but uh, we're glad you're here right now Uh, pastor Don is uh, vacating uh, last week and this week we expect and hope for his safe return this coming week Uh, In the meantime, uh, I am Andrew, uh, for anyone who didn't know that, and uh, you are most welcome this morning. Uh, In the way of announcements, uh, guys, do we have the slides ready for that? Some upcoming things going on here at Fairview. Um, We have an ongoing class over the next couple months. uh, For those interested in foster care, uh, this also this class also covers some topics in emergency care as well. Uh, if you're interested in the details on that, please see Beth Ann McFadden, um, uh, who happens to be one of the teachers who is certified for the course. Uh, that's being held um, what Saturday mornings, I believe. Okay, uh, so if you're interested in that, uh, please see her about attending. Uh, Those, I believe, started yesterday as well. So, but it's not too late to get in, no? No, okay. All right, excellent. Uh, Next slide, please. Um, By way of reminder and request, um, we are in the middle of a search for uh, a new lead pastor here at Fairview. Um, We are certainly thankful for Pastor Don as he stands and fills in for us, Um, but um, he said uh, he he can do it for a little while, Uh, so we we need to make good use of the time in searching for uh, the next man of God to lead this church. That said, uh, there are a couple things where you can help us in this, and number one is absolutely the most important. Uh, We need you to be faithful in prayer. It is possible uh, that God's it is possible that God sometimes waits to act because he's waiting for us to ask. He has told us to ask and we shall receive. So uh, I hope you are involved in praying uh, regularly for those of us uh, on the pulpit committee, but also be praying for the man that God wants to bring here. Um, We trust that God is at work in preparing that man's heart uh, for this church as well as preparing us to be ministered to, but also to minister to that individual. And the second way you can help us with this is uh, with regard to uh, any candidate or, or rather potential prospect that you might meet who is interested if you... Uh, uh, very often these things happen by word of mouth. Uh, and so if, if you know of someone who is... Um, who might be interested in that, please direct them um, to the email address that's provided up there, it's fairviewpulpit at gmail.com, and ask that individual to send their uh, cover letter, resume, and their statement of faith to that website, Uh, and that'll be a big help to us. Uh, Are there any other announcements? Oh, yes, next week. Uh, Pastor Don, we look forward to having him back with us, and we'll be remembering, um, we'll be Having the Lord's Supper and uh, remembering what Christ has done for us um, in in His work on the cross, so we look forward to that next week. All right, words for worship from Romans. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray. Father, how, how rich the gifts are that you have given to us, that you saw fit to adopt us as children into your kingdom, into your family, that you in your wisdom chose to make us brothers and sisters with Christ and joined heirs of you. Lord, we thank you for the inheritance we have to look forward to. And We thank you for the spiritual riches that you've already blessed us with. Lord, may we carry that gratitude uh, into this coming hour of worship now, Lord. May the praise that we offer up to you um, be offered in spirit and in truth lord i pray that you would speak to us from your word may we have ready hearts to listen to what you have for us we look forward to what you will do in our midst this morning and we thank you for being with us lord amen
1: church family let's stand together as we begin our worship in song and sing our praise to the lord this morning he is doing great things around this world even in the midst of some pretty hard to understand circumstances but God is at work and it's important that we remember that and rejoice in that so let's sing this morning to God be the glory.
2: the lord let the earth hear his voice praise the lord praise the lord a melodious sonnet, sung by flaming of above. Praise this name, I'm fixed upon it, name of God's redeeming love.
0: Lord, through our giving. Let's pray. Father, you have made us your children. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us to learn better how to live like your children. In the light of the example that you've provided, Lord, we thank you for the reminders this morning of how much you were willing to sacrifice. Lord, that you were willing to give. And as we have often been reminded, we are, we are very often following in your footsteps in the example that you've given when we also give as you have given. Lord, we don't have the resources that you do And the truth is, you don't really need us, but you've given us the ability to take part in this work, your church, and we thank you for that and for how you've blessed. We thank you that you have enriched us, uh, that you have accorded many blessings to us, uh, materially as well as spiritually. Lord, I pray that what we offer this morning would be a fitting token of your generosity to us. May we honor you with what we give and I pray that you would further it for your purposes. In Christ's name I pray all these things, amen.
1: Church family, you can remain seated for this song. I would just ask that you would prayerfully sing it and that we would truly Beg the Lord to be at work in His church, and sometimes that work doesn't look exactly like we think it should. But He truly is at work. So let's just pray,
2: praising this together. Speak, O oh Lord, that He would be at work.
1: for joining us today at Fairview Baptist Church. Um, For those of you that do not know me yet, I am the youth leader here at Fairview uh, and have been for almost four years now. Jess and I have been here um, together as members for for almost four years. It's hard to believe. It's it's been almost four years. Um, I've had interaction with Fairview as far back as high school. And all of you may not know this, but Jess and I met in high school and uh, started hanging out, communicating, becoming friends, getting to know each other. And I would go visit Fairview when I was in high school, in 11th and 12th grade, when Fairview was at the other building. Um, I, would, I would go visit, spend time um, there with their youth group and, and have interactions with their youth group as well. And so it's pretty neat. It's, it's almost like I've come full circle, being able to lead the youth group now um, here at Fairview, but, but having been impacted by the youth group as well. So it's, it's pretty cool. And even now to have our, our first little one being born into the Fairview family um, is neat. It's very special. Jess was about two years old when she, when her family came to Fairview. And so it's, it's pretty special for us to have our little, our little uh, 15 month, old, 16-month-old girl um, here with us as well. She is crazy, believe it or not. When you think of mixing Jess and me, if you know Jessica and me very well, it's kind of scary to think about us having kids. And, and she, is, she is everything that we knew she would be. Um, and we're also excited about a little boy coming um, in June. So we have a very busy life ahead of us for sure. But I'm thankful for the opportunity. Some of you um, may know of me, may know me somewhat pretty well. Uh, Some of you may not. And you could be wondering, who is this guy, right? Who is Jason Clark? Why is he here doing youth group stuff? Um, What's his goals in life? I met with a friend this past week, and it was just very encouraging. And this, this friend of mine, had been in ministry for years, years and years and years. And he had shared with me that he was called to ministry, not a specific role, not a specific title. He had no aspirations to be the main person, the leader of leaders of the church. And that just really resonated with me because that's exactly what I would say, is I am called to ministry. I am called to live ministry with my life. And in my life, not to a specific role, not to youth ministry for the rest of my life. That's a scary thought. um, I'm called to just live ministry. And that was encouraging to hear from a friend. It resonated really well with me um, because that's, to be honest, that's my calling, is to, to, to be a part of ministry, to serve anywhere and everywhere I can. Even if it means getting up in front of people and trying to expound scripture, right? Isn't that terrifying? Does that make you shake in your boots? It's, it's pretty terrifying, but we're going to get through it together. Um, this is not a setting that I'm super used to, but I'm very thankful for the opportunity because it's what I'm called to do. It is. Um, so thank you for being here, especially thank you for being here if you knew that it was going to be me, right? I see a lot of empty seats, and so we're going to have some conversations with people next week and say, you better go back and watch the live stream because you missed it. Um, So today we'll be in the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. Colossians chapter 3. Basically everything that I've just said in the last five minutes um, doesn't count for my time because I didn't didn't start the the clock. So we're now starting. Colossians chapter 3. Friday, Jess and I were at Target. Target is just a great place, right? We're glad that we have Target. We live on the southeast side of town, and that's our Walmart, basically. We have Target. The southeast side of town, um, people are different. They are. If you're from the southeast side, you know this. They're, They're just a little different. To be honest, I think it's mainly because it's occupied by a lot of elderly people. And we, we live on the southeast side, and we're, we're surrounded by elderly people, which is great. Life is slower. Life is more quiet. We like where we live. Anyway, we were at Target uh, Friday, and I said, "Jess, I'm going to be speaking partly on putting off the old, putting on the new, right? And I said, there's no way I can go up there in old clothes i got to put those things aside. I need new clothes. And so I talked her into it, and she bought me this shirt and these pants. So I put on the new in preparation for today. I just want you to know that. I feel good. I'm in new clothes. It's, it's a good thing. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 3. Let's go ahead and read Colossians chapter 3. Verse 18 Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. No, I'm kidding. That's not that is not today, at least. Not today. Colossians chapter three, verse one, starting in verse one. If then Matt's playing around with us up there on the sound booth. Colossians three verse one, we'll read down through verse seventeen. with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed and the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray and ask God for help. God, thank you for your word, the truth of your word. We ask that you enlighten us through your word, help us understand clearly what you want us to know today. In Jesus' name, amen. Colossians, the book of Colossians, chapter 1. We'll take a, a brief synopsis of the, of chapter 1, chapter 2, and jump right into chapter 3. Chapter 1 is Christ is all and in all. Right? Verse 17 in chapter 1 says... In, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Chapter 1, Colossians. Paul is is bringing them back to the foundational truth that it's just Christ. Christ is all and in all. Chapter 2, Christ is superior and is all you need. Verse 9 in chapter 2 says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Chapter 2, Christ is superior in all, and he is all that you need. Why is Paul, why does Paul have an emphasis to the Colossians about who Christ is and what Christ has done? The Colossians are being bombarded with surrounding influences, they are. There's, there's different beliefs, different patterns of belief that have penetrated the church. Paul has found out about this through a friend. Paul has never been to the church um, here in Colossae, but through a friend, Epaphras, by the name, we're trying to think of boy names and Epaphras. It's, it's unique, right? We're trying to think. Jess is very unique in the way that she wants to do names. I mean, our daughter's name is Eleanor. You don't find that a lot. Um, so Epaphras, that could be a boy name. We'll, put, we'll mark it down. Paul finds out about the church at Colossae through Epaphras, through his friend that, that had ministry with Paul in Ephesus, was actually trained by Paul in Ephesus to do exactly what he did. He went back to Colossae and he planted the church. So Epaphras goes and finds Paul and is sharing with him. The church, we have a great church here, but we're being bombarded by these outside influences. They're penetrating the the belief systems of our body. Paul's alarmed because what is at stake is their understanding that Christ is all they need. That's what's at stake here. Paul writes this letter to remind the Colossian church that Christ is everything. There's no adding to Christ. There's no taking away from Christ. This is very important to Paul because what's at stake is their understanding of the gospel. If their understanding of the gospel is hindered or changed in any way, guess what? That's going to impact how they live their life. We're going to see that Paul gets into some practical reminders as well, meaning this is the truth, Colossian church, And this is the result of the truth in your life. We're going to get to see that here in a little bit. Chapter 3, where we're going to spend most of our time today, living from Christ is how to navigate my daily life. Living from Christ is how to navigate my daily life. Verse 12 in chapter 3, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. One commentator said, It seems clear that the Colossian heresy was a blend of Jewish legalism, Greek philosophic speculation, mysticism, combined with Christian flavor. In other words, like many of the cults today, it wore the mask of Christianity, but it was totally false. It used Christian words and Christian phrases, but with different meanings. This was a big deal to Paul. Because the Colossian church, truth was under attack. They they were being bombarded, penetrated by this false teaching. The Colossian church was diverse, but made up mostly of non-Jewish descent. There was a time that Colossae was a large city, but at the time of Paul's letter, it was considered a small town compared to its neighboring cities. It, it's, it kind of put me in the mind of Decatur, Madison, Huntsville, where Colossi would be Madison. Kind of the smaller, not anymore, but probably Madison 10 years ago, before everything has happened. But it, it would be kind of the Madison location. You would have two other big cities on each side of, of the city of Colossi. Um, but at this time in the, in the letter, it actually was a much smaller city. This would be considered a Pauline church, a church impacted by the ministry of Paul because of what we talked about before, because of Epaphras. Paul trained Epaphras. He went back. He planted the church. This would be considered a Pauline church. The Colossian church was facing some pretty serious doctrinal problems. By the time we get to chapter 3, Where we'll pick up today paul has addressed the problem with the solution christ is the only way and now in chapter three we see how that translates in our daily lives one commentator said in regards to relating relating to the colossian church now this is an age of syncretism People are trying to harmonize and unite people in different schools of thoughts and come up with a superior religion. Our evangelical church is in danger of diluting the faith and their loving attempt to understand the beliefs of others. Mysticism, legalism, Eastern religions, asceticism, man-made philosophies are secretly creeping into the church. They are not denying Christ but they are dethroning him and robbing him of his rightful place of preeminence. Kind of a main idea today that we'll talk through through this short passage is Christ is the only way to understand my value, my identity, and my mission. God has given us Christ to be the only way to understand those things. My value, my identity, and my mission. God places the believer in a position to live from new life and to never forget the dangers of the old life. We're going to see Paul remind the Colossians, hey, put on good things. Put on these good things. But don't forget to not let these old things consume your life. Let's pick up in verse 1 of chapter 3. If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. What we're going to see in the first four verses of chapter three are some realities. This first point of emphasis that I'm going to make, wow, what God has done for me. This is what Paul is, is stressing here. Wow, church at Col, church, Colossian church, look what God has done for you. See if you can pick up on these realities that God has has placed the believer in. If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. The first thing that we come to is raised with Christ. Paul is using the picture of baptism as he did um, in the previous chapter, verse 2, which says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through life, Through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Right off the bat, Paul is bringing them back with the image of baptism, the powerful image of baptism. If you then, basically, since you have been raised with Christ to new life, that's one of the realities that we see right off the bat. Believer, you have been raised to life. What's the next reality that we see in the first four verses? where Christ is. If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. This is another reality. This is another truth. Where Christ is. Christ is no longer here. Christ has completed his work. Christ is above. Christ is no longer here. A reminder of our advocate, of our intercessor, Paul is bringing the believer back to where Christ is. Christ is not here any longer. He's completed his work. He is above. Which would bring us back. It brought me back to the understanding of who Christ is. He's my advocate, He's my intercessor. That is what He is doing right now. What's another reality that we see? You have died, you have been raised to life, but look what it says. And verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on things on earth, for you have died. You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You have died another image of baptism. You know what it says in Romans 6, 2? How can we, who died to sin, still live in it? Romans 6, 4 says, we were buried, therefore, with him, by baptism, into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This is another reality that that Paul is pointing out. You not only have been raised to life, you have died. You have died to this earth. You have died to sin, and you have been raised to life. It's a beautiful picture of baptism. We have been buried with him. We are now raised to life with him, right? Before Christ, we were alive to the world. We were dead to God. After Christ, we're now alive to God and now dead to the world. What's another reality that we see right off the the front end here in chapter three? Your life is hidden with Christ. The hope and security and confidence that that phrase offers would, would have been very special to the Colossian church. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Look at the next reality we see in verse four, when Christ, who is your life, there's a verse in John eleven twenty five 25 that says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. When Christ, who is your life? Who is your life? The next reality there at the end of verse 4. Who is your life? When Christ appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. A promise. A promise security for the Colossian church Christ is bringing them back to these realities why why is Paul why is God using Paul to remind the church at Colossae these realities they're they're being bombarded with false teaching with with different frames of thought that are diluting that are taking away that are adding to their faith Paul is bringing them back to the foundation Paul is bringing him back to the true reality. But Paul also knows that when their faith is secure in Christ, it impacts their life. It does. Your life cannot go unimpacted. Your choices cannot go unimpacted when you have faith in Christ just in those first four verses, wow, what God has done for me, the reality he has given me to live in, what does that do for the Colossian church? We recently sold our house, and by recently, I mean a year ago, so it's not really that recently. Um, But we've been in this new house, same side of town, if you're wondering, southeast. Sorry, we just like the southeast side of town nothing bad about the southwest side. Um, So we sold our house about a year ago. It was the first house that that we bought as a married couple. Very special, sentimental to me. I did a lot of work on it. Um, And so we sold it, but we sold it because we got it appraised. We were thinking about doing another project. Um, We like doing that. Jess and I, to be honest, we're kind of a Chip and Joanna thing. We got that kind of going on for us. We like doing that. We like renovating the place that we're in, renewing it. Uh, It's usually because we can't afford new things, so we have to do that. But um, we sold our house a year ago only because we got it appraised. We were thinking about, you know, we were going to be there for several more years, so we're like, we need to add a bathroom. It was a three bedroom, one bath, and it's not fun to have one bathroom. It's really that. We made it, we toughed it out. but we were like, we're going to put a new bathroom in the house. We think we've increased the value with the work that we've put in here. So we got it appraised. Went to the bank. Basically said, bank, can you give us some money to do this? We think our house is worth more than when we bought it. And so they, they got it appraised. We got the new value of the house back. And it kind of blew us away. We were like, whoa. Um, this changes things. I don't know that we wanted. to put any more work into it. Let's just kick it to the curb and go. Take the cash and run. And so we got it appraised. What getting it appraised did is it brought us back to the true value of the house. And understanding that true value of the house, you know what that did? It resulted in action and change in our life. Before we didn't know. Before maybe we forgot. You know, this house is worthless. Everything's broken. And, and it didn't really impact us. But having that value renewed and, and realizing, wow, this is the true value of the house? Let's sell it. Let's get this thing out of here. So it changed us. It changed our, our walk in life. We decided to sell it a year ago. You know what? what Paul has done just in the first 4 verses is he has brought the Colossian church back to their true value back to who they really are. He has brought them back to the reality that God says about them. You think that impacts people when when you're able to bring them back to who they are in Christ, believer. Don't be so impacted by these these outside sources This is what God says about you. And as a result of that, wow, the renewal, the life change in my choices, my daily life. I am now able to align my intentions in my mind. We talked about the realities, but we don't need to forget about the set your minds on things above. Seek the things above. You know what's important about the order of, of, in the pattern, just in those first four verses? That Paul is not saying, Colossian church, seek God, set your mind on God, and then you're going to have God's approval. And then you might be able to live in these realities that God has given you. But you've, you really need to set your mind on who God is. You really need to seek. Basically, Colossian church, try as hard as you can, and then you'll make it. And then maybe God will grant you these things. It's not the order. It's not what Paul is saying here. He has reminded them of their value, and he's saying as a result of that, allow that to motivate you and allow that to to give you the motivation you need to seek those things that are above, to set your minds on the things that are above. I am now, as a result of what God has done for me, I am now able to align my intentions and my mind on things above, only from the position God has placed me in. I now have the motivation to seek and set because I understand the value that God has given me. I understand who God has made me, knowing and walking with my God to the degree that I want to seek Him. So, establishing this prior to the practical instruction that we see, that we're about to see in the next several verses, establishing this for Paul was very important. Because it is only through the life that you have in Christ that you have the freedom to choose to live according to the truth, how God defines it. That's kind of wordy. Let me read it again. It is only through your life in Christ that you have the freedom to to choose to live according to the truth, how God defines it. We're about to see in the next several verses some important practical reminders that Paul is sharing. But it was very important for Paul to establish this prior to getting into that. What does reminding you of who you are do for you? What does that do? What was Paul's hope that that would do to the Colossian church. One thing, it brings me back to how God defines my value, my identity, and my mission. So I have the choice whether to be held by my earthly surroundings or to live from this new reality God has placed me in. And so it was hard this past week not to be glued to the news, right? With everything going on in in the Ukraine, it was hard not to allow that to impact my thoughts obviously our hearts and our, our prayers are with the people of ukraine right now what a reminder though what a timely rem- reminder for me this past week of the reality that god has given me to live in so that i don't have to be so impacted by this, my surroundings by what's going on around me i don't have to try to make sense of this world because I'm not a part of this world anymore. We're going to see that reminder in the next several verses. Let's pick up in in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death, therefore. Paul is saying, okay, as a result of everything I just said, as a result of, of me reminding you who you are in Christ, put to death what is earthly in you. These are not, this is not an exhaustive list of sins that we're about to read, but they are specifically worth mentioning by name. Isn't it interesting that when we come to passages like this, Paul just doesn't broadly say, and hey, don't sin. He specifically names sins. These cover a broad spectrum and represent both personal and social sins. What they really represent is a life of bondage, is a life of captivity that, guess what? We have been rescued from. We have been brought from death to life. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Colossian church, on account of these, you have been rescued from, put to death, these things. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, when these were your path in life. There was nothing else. There was no other choice but to walk in these things. But they have another choice. Ephesians chapter 3 actually chapter 2, speaks of the same thing. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Colossian church, I am now able to discern the reminder Paul is giving. This is my second point of emphasis. I am now able to discern between the old and the new How? How am I now able to discern between what was old and what is new now? By aligning my heart and my mind to what God says is true. By naming things for what they are. Thinking according to or from within the life that Christ has given me, that is the driving force to put to death lifeless things. Romans 6, verse 13 says, Do not present your members to sin as instruments, but present yourselves to God as those who have been raised to life, those that have been brought from death to life. It is from this new life I have in Christ that through the Spirit I have the understanding and the experience and the wisdom to discern between good and evil. Not as I define it, not as my opinions or my, my inclinations may define it, but as God defines it. I am now able to discern between old and new based on how God defines it. Galatians 5, 24 speaks on the same thing. It says, "...and those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires." Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable. It is through these temptations that we have the opportunity to truly trust what our God says is true, not only to trust it, but to demonstrate That by calling them what they are, dead, lifeless things, and leaving them that way. God is saying through Paul here that these things are lifeless. Leave them lifeless. They're no longer a part of your life. So having put off things that destroy relationships, realize now... That you are a part of, a, that you are a part of a community that is truly, that is truly unified without distinction. Look what it says in verse nine: Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices, and have put on new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew. Circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. One commentator said, Christ absorbs in himself all distinctions. Being to all alike, everything that they need. I like the quote from Tim Keller that says, God created us simply for the joy and love of it. He loves us not instrumentally for what he can get out of us, but for us. So it is the height of wisdom to love God for himself alone and to value human beings not simply for what we can get from them, but as beings who reflect the image of our maker. Paul's proposition Is there anything besides God that is consuming your life? Is there anything besides God that you are using for satisfaction, identity, or personal gain? If so, remove it. Remove it and live from the renewal and from within the unified community that God has given you. This past year, I think it was this past year, we had armyworms. I think we were the only people in Decatur that had them. Right? No, they were everywhere. These armyworms infested all of Decatur, it seemed like. Not just the southeast side. South, southwest side too. Believe it or not, the southeast side got armyworms. I don't know how it happened. But it infested everything. These armyworms were everywhere. They were consuming Everything that they touched. I tried to kill them myself. It didn't work. I had to call my pest control people. They tried to kill them. I really don't think that worked. I think they eventually just left. Do they turn into butterflies and fly away? That may have been what happened. I don't know the science behind that. But they were everywhere. There was, there was no missing the army worm. Right? Right? There was no living with the army worm. The sins that Paul mentions here is not an exhaustive list, but it is a list that represents life-consuming sin. Sin that doesn't just hang around here and there and, and, and doesn't impact your life. This is, this is sin. It's bringing us back to the understanding of what sin does. Really, it's bringing us back to the understanding of of why God did what he did. So we no longer have to live under this control of sin. We can choose life. We can leave the old behind. Verse 12 through 17. Living from where God has positioned me means actively clothing my life with responding to God. Living from where God has positioned me means actively clothing my life with responding to God. Notice that Paul doesn't just say, put off the old, leave the old behind. But there's something that follows. Put on the new. Put on then, verse 12, As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. My response to God is never only turning from something, but it is always connected to turning to something. I cannot manufacture these attributes. They can't be done. I can't manufacture them. These are organically grown from my relationship with God. Notice what it says. Put on, then, as God's chosen one. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is who you are. This is—, this is f- where I want you to come from. I can't manufacture these attributes. They're simply a result of my relationship with God. Now I can clothe my life with love. If you're familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, this list sounds familiar. It does. You know what 1 Corinthians 13 says in verses 4 and 8 It's defining love. It says love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at the wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. put on, then, as God's chosen ones. Living from where God has positioned me means actively clothing my life with responding to God. I got braces a couple years ago at the age of 30. It, it was bizarre. I wouldn't recommend it. it. To be honest, it was awkward at times. I was a 30-year-old man with braces. Um, but it was worth it. I understood the process. They were correcting my teeth. My teeth needed correcting. Jess really pushed me to get the braces and I was like, you don't accept me for who I am? Why did you marry me? I took her back to our vows and and tried to to talk to her about that, but she wanted me to get them. So I got braces. They corrected my teeth. Thankfully I don't have them anymore. They're gone. I put them off. Um, But now, As a result of the work that was done on my teeth, I now have a retainer. I have to put these retainers in at night. What these retainers do, how they function, is they're extending the work that was done on my teeth. They're extending that work to where they're really extending the life of it. So hopefully if I keep my retainers in, everyone that I know that that had braces, by the way, is like, oh, the retainer, don't wear it. And then I see their teeth, it's, it's not good. There's a reason for the retainer. That retainer extends the work that has been done. It extends the life of that work. Our response to God, us responding to God, is not manufactured. It's, it's not forced upon us. But our responses to God in obedience, in faith, it's simply an extension of the work that God did in us. It is. It's simply an extension of that completed work that we have in Christ. Our responses now to God are connected to that. It's an extension of that work. Responding to God's direction is a choice, it's a choice that we have every day. What does responding to God look like? Believing what He says is true. Choosing not to give life to the old, but rather allow your choices and your interactions to be shaped and refined by your new life in Christ, by who God has made you to be. Something that we like to say in the youth group, I probably haven't said it in a while, but your relationship with God impacts everything that you do. It does. It impacts everything, God has placed me in a position to know him and to know my value and my identity and my mission. He has given me everything I need to navigate my everyday in a way that glorifies him. We are left with a choice, whether to believe what God says is true or to live controlled by my surroundings. We have been given a community without distinction or partiality, but one to share in this new life with. Part of being together, fellowship, not just at church, but especially away from church. You know what it does? For me, at least, it's like, it's like a faith appraisal for me. Anytime I'm around the body of Christ, I'm reminded, wow, this person is not like me. They actually function in a different role. They may be the hand of the body. I may be the foot of the body. But wow, I need them. And guess what? Together, we're reminding each other that we need Christ. It's like a a personal faith appraisal when I'm together with the body. This is a community that so often I feel gets taken for granted. We miss We miss out on the life that comes from this community, the growth that comes from this community. Paul reminds us in verse 15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. We have been given God's goodness in our relationship with him and who he has made us to be in and through the body of Christ. And it is important to understand that it is from that, it is from that life that I now can respond and live accordingly. There's a I'm closing with this last illustration. I told the teens, keep track of my illustrations and see if they're on point. So I've got to report back to them later on that. There's a show on Disney Plus called The Mandalorian. It's a pretty cool show. Disney really is milking Star Wars for all that it's worth. And sometimes it's working. The Mandalorian was a cool show. There's a thing that The Mandalorian said, a lot of times it took him to the end of the episode, To get to this, it's like the, the thing that he says, this is the way. This is the way. You know, the only reason he could say that is because there was no other way. There was no other alternative. There was no other path that he could take because this was the way. It was the only way. Paul is reminded the church At Colossae, the Colossian church, that there is one way, only one way, and that is in Christ. What an awesome encouragement to be reminded what God has done for me, what now. I have the ability to do because of that, how that impacts my daily life. Let's pray. God, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that we don't have to wonder if we know truth, We don't have to worry about the the outside impacts. We can know truth how you define it. God, thank you for the reminder that knowing truth means living truth. That in and through our relationship with you, we have the ability to glorify you with our life. Thank you for your love for us and how that binds everything together. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to end the service with a song. I've always enjoyed doing that. Um, And so if you don't mind, stand with us and we'll close the service with a song.
2: sing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by the To arrive at home Jesus sought me when a stranger Wandering from the fold of God He to rescue me from danger interpose his precious blood Oh to grace how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be Let thy goodness like a Bind my wandering heart to Thee, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for Thy courts
0: above. God bless you. You're dismissed.